with the passing of two Hollywood giants, Sidney Poitier and Peter Bogdanovich, we here at How Do You Like That Movie podcast would like to take a moment and discuss two of their films in memorandum. I will be discussing Sidney Poitier's In the Heat of the Night, and Chris will be discussing The Last Picture Show. So Chris, I got the motive, which is money, and the body, which is dead. <laughs> I, 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 th- I find it interesting that you didn't go with, they call me Mr. Tibbs, which is one of the most like famous movie quotes. I think it's on the list of top 100 like AFI top 100 uh, movie quotes. Uh, yeah, but they wouldn't call me Mr. Tibbs, so that's why I didn't go they with They would it. call you Mr. Tibbs. Anyway, uh, <laughs> one thing I know for sure, a person can't sneeze in this town without somebody offering them a handkerchief. Hey, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of How'd You Like That Movie? As Scott said, uh, unfortunately, in January of 2022, we lost both Sidney Poitier, uh, Academy Award-winning actor, and Peter Bogdanovich, uh, again, an Academy Award-winning director and one of the founders of the New Hollywood Movement, which we'll talk about a little later. Uh, Yeah, so we're going to be talking about The Last Picture Show and In the Heat of the Night. Uh, Scott, take us away. Now, I haven't watched In the Heat of the Night in years. So you had watched years. it before now, though? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I watched it before and because we, we were discussing this off was because of the like Archie Bunker show. Yep. In the In the Heat of the Night. And I thought and then we I used to watch that with my grandfather I, I, when as a kid. And then I think eventually like on cable the actual movie came on and we watched it together and i haven't watched it since so it's probably been like oh 30 something years is it similar what do you mean like uh i haven't haven't watched the tv show in 25 years yeah okay it's like if you remembered (laughs) any i was just wondering is is because in the heat of the night is it's it's from 1967 and is it's a fucking intense film especially for the time period it's being made in the fact that they're shooting in the South. It's like, it's, it's heavy. Like it's got a lot of heavy. I'll give you some trivia right now. They did not shoot in the South. They did not shoot in the South at all because uh, they actually shot in, hold on. I have it in my notes here. One second. Are you, are you referring Uh, to the fact that Sidney Poitier didn't want to go South of the Mason Dixon line? No, they, well, they shot it in Sparta, Illinois. And the reason why was um, because one time uh, Sidney Poitier and Harry Belafonte were almost killed by the Ku Klux Klan in the South. Holy shit. So he refused to go there. I think they only went to Tennessee for one outdoor shot, which was when they went to the... um, cotton plantation oh okay in the movie yep because they couldn't find that anywhere in the north because so so in that scene i don't even think sydney was there it was just more like um yeah it's like an establishing shot almost right yeah it's like the car driving in kind of thing um but yeah that was the only that was the only scene that was actually filmed in the south at all 
because of uh, his, his refusal, which obviously is makes, a good makes, refusal. Makes a whole lot of sense. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, I mean, that almost lends as like more weight to my statement. It's like, it, or my question is, uh, if you remember, like, is the show as like kind of heavy? I think, if, from what I remember, I think the first season was, you know, it was the um, African American police officer dealing with, you know the racist cop and then eventually they you know become buddy buddy and so it just becomes like buddy know, cop tv show yeah and then it becomes the buddy cop like lethal weapon but in the south with archie bunker not nice. sitting in a chair nice <laughs> but from what i remember but it's been years 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 um i'll say in terms of shots themselves in this film um the director was norman jewison i think i said it right yep but the he's from uh, Toronto, shot. Canada, by the way. Oh, and he's still it, alive. Ha- he's like ninety-five years old or something like that. We're having a Chris Heritage minute already. <laughs> I like how you do the Heritage with minute for my movie. <laughs> but um, was Cindy Portney's actually like character introduction shot? It is the most simplest shot, but do you mean when he just gets off the the train? He's not even off the train. It, like you see everything as a reaction. Uh, it's the one like they find the dead body. Yeah. And. Um, oh, yeah. Spoiler alert. There's a dead body. <laughs> yeah. This movie's from 1967. I don't even think it's fucking called spoilers anymore. But uh, the character of Sam Wood, who is a deputy police officer, is driving around trying to find anything suspicious. And you just see him driving by the train station. And then you just see his reaction, like kind of like um, a shocked reaction. Then he like pulls in really quickly. And then he's like busts into the train station and he's he's talking. You don't see who he's talking to. And it's just like, hey, you, you know, like put up your hands stuff. And then it, it finally like the camera kind of switches to Sydney Poitney. And it's just literally him like just lounged on a bench like his one leg out just kind of arms out like that like chilling like a villain but not a villain yeah but it's like the how do i put this the um, like his without doing anything he captured the like he he was just a character yeah like he was just a vacuum and everything just kind of like focus to him even though it's just him in an empty room and you're just like kind of in awe i I guess you can say that uh but or captivated by him and then once they have the whole interaction where it's like you know the typical you know racist police officer going through everything and then he's and he's all calm and stuff and going through to the police then going to the police station then talking to the the sheriff yep yeah and then they're having an interaction him thinking he's the killer and it's only because he's literally the only black man in this whole film like that or technically the only black man that lives on that side of the or that was in that side of the town uh, because it's still like a kind of a segregated segregated town in this film where um, the black community lives on the other side of the tracks and then they're kind of there but yeah it's it, it, 
rewatching it after all these years, it was captivating to see it and find like knowing why it's called in the heat of the night. And it's literally when you find out the motive of who the killer was, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then having the you know whole epic theme song of in the heat of the night. Is that Ray which, Charles you know, that sings that, or is it um, Stevie Wonder? It's one of the two, I believe. To be honest, I don't even remember. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think that right off the bat, just the acting quality of Sidney Poitier, he sets from the very beginning. He's not the subservient black man that's you know had been portrayed often in films prior to this. Here he is, like you said, he's lounged out, he's calm, he's cool, he's collected. Like, I mean, they, like, play out. Like, he gets all the way to the police station, they're all into the questioning and stuff, and then he's like, because I'm a police officer. Bam! And he throws his badge it, down, right? And it's just like, yeah, I, you know what I mean? Well, like, yeah, he, he could have done that, that at any other time. Was but... because of, sorry, sorry not to go over you. Yeah, that whole interaction was because they found how much money he had in, in his wallet. And it was more than any one of those people had. And they're like, how the hell can you make this? And then he's like, yeah, that's when he throws it down. And they're like, how much do they pay you? And he was like, $123.39 an hour or a week. And they're like all flabbergasted. Like, like that's like, an obscene amount. Well, remember, yeah. it's a lot of money for them, but also the idea that a black man is making more than a white man. It's just like, like head explosion. Um, and I mean, that's why that famous line about like, like, and I'm not going to do the other side of it to in, in, in depth, but like the idea of like, well, what do they call you where you're from? They like, they call me Mr. Tibbs. And the way he delivers that line is so powerful. Like there is no hesitation. Like he's like, I'm not putting up with your Southern shenanigans. Nothing. It's awesome. Like his, 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 I, I'm surprised he did not get an Oscar nomination for this. And it's almost like, so he got, he's the first um, African-American and the first Bohemian, Bohemian, not Bohemian, uh, to win the best actor uh, award. And he, but he got it for Lilies of the Field, which came out in 1963, but it's a comedy. And there's this part of me that want, cause uh, Rod Steger uh, got, an Oscar for in the heat of the night. And it makes me wonder if they were just like the Academy wasn't quite ready for like the serious acting accolades to be given to Sidney Poitier. Like it was like, it's okay to give a black man a comedic Oscar. I don't know. It's just cause I'm like, I don't know how he didn't, doesn't, doesn't get an Oscar nomination for this. Like, yeah, I, I I understand. It got six Oscar nods, right? Like, and he, he and he's not one of them. Franchise out of it. Sorry, <laughs> he did get a franchise out of it. Yeah, but I mean, right? like, it got it got the best picture, best actor, uh, best director. Like, it got big Oscar nods, and but him, somehow he doesn't get one. It just seems so. He got so the so sorry so. Rod got best actor, not best supporting actor. Yeah. Sidney so Poitier got his Sydney. best supporting actor for Lilies of the Field in 1963. So they considered Or best Sydney. actor, sorry, best actor. Sorry, not supporting. Yeah, I was going to say, but in terms of the Academy, they at the time, they considered Sidney um, the supporting actor in this, right? I, I guess so. Enemy. He would have it's, to be, it's right? Like, it's like Judas and the Black Messiah. It is like Judas and the Black Messiah. Again, it's like... 
okay, we, it's like, oh, we'll give the white guy. Because isn't Je- Jesse Plemons the main actor in Judas and the Black Messiah? He's technically the third lead, yeah. <coughs> but, but then he, the, both um, Lakeith and Daniel got... Um, the supporting. Got, got both nominated for supporting, yeah. But, yeah, it was like watching it and, you know, the more things change, the more... Th- the things stay the same kind yeah. of thing it's it was it was i wouldn't say fun to watch because it is um but it's you know. it's entertaining like they did a, it's a yeah. great film like i wa- i was like how have i not seen this movie yet like this is a really good movie um it's got a 95 from the critics and it's got a 92 from the audience uh it's uh it's cons- yeah, the thing I, go ahead i was trying to figure out was um because I think now this movie is considered PG, right? Like, sure. But what was it? What was it then? Is what I was trying to trying to find when it first was released. Like, what was the rating? Is mm-hmm. it because they're very cautious, you know, with the um, with the girl who's uh, uh, not a nudist, but you know, just likes to walk around her house because it's hot, out, right? It's the heat of yeah, the night. Like, so, but it, it was funny, like the the how how well they placed everything like so the windowsill would cover everything the door would cover everything the coca-cola bottle she was holding you know who holds a coca-cola bottle down here to take a drink but which will be interesting to... to juxtapose against the last picture show which kind of does the opposite right like you mm-hmm. see a lot of stuff intentionally uh even the way the shots are framed up but we'll we'll get to that when we get to that um so you know that slap when the like white plantation dude like slaps Sidney Poitier and he just fucking boom he like back slaps him back so that wasn't in the original like novel I believe I believe in the novel he like kind of holds his anger in and uh so this is what uh, Poitier says about it he says I'll tell you what I'll make this movie for you if you give me your absolute guarantee that when he slaps me I slap him right back and you guarantee it will play in every version of this movie I try not to do anything that is against nature just the idea that, like, if this man slapped me, I would fucking bitch slap him right back. And you best make sure mm-hmm. that it's in, like, it shows. Because there was that whole thing about, like, you would, you know, edit films that played in certain parts of the country to suit those audiences. And he's like, no, 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 no. These Southerners are going to see this fucking black man slap this motherfucker right down in his own house. You know what I mean? Which, again, yeah. I think is fucking awesome. Yeah. It, 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 my, like... <clears throat> the scene I liked the most was the scene right after that, right. Was, uh, once he's getting walked out by the chief, then the plantation worker just shaking his head at the owner, right. Because he raised his hand <laughs> at Cindy Poitier and then decided to leave after. But, um, it, but then um, there's that line where the, the mayor says to the chief, he's like, basically, the chief before you would have shot him down and they just called yeah, it he goes when did you change your mind over this guy yeah but it, it well it was the same thing once the plantation owner he goes to the chief he was like did you see that he's like oh i saw it he's <laughs> like what are you gonna do about it i don't know yet <laughs> but so no, it is yeah, it, it was 100 percent an entertaining movie and i think the other thing that kind of that kind 
the thing I appreciated the most, like in terms of the writing, like it played out like a true detective story. There yep. were no red herrings. It was, well, there's red herrings, but it was all like, this is where the ed- evidence is leading. And then like, okay, it stopped here. The evidence stopped here. It's obviously not this guy. Let's go backtrack the evidence and go to the next until you get to the point where all the evidence lines up to who the actual killer was. Yeah. Fuck you. No, I agree with you. Like opposed <laughs> to like the ones that get written in as like fake red herrings where it's like yeah. the evidence would never have let you led you that way, except that you wrote it in the script. Yeah. It's just like, Oh, we got to do this plot twist and be like, Oh no, it was all a lie. Well, yeah. Cause they're like, like, again, even going right back to the beginning, they're like, they arrest him. They take him in. And like everything's, you're just like, oh, like what's what's gonna go down here? Is this innocent black man gonna get like accused of this and convicted? And then he's like, oh yeah, by the way, I'm a fucking cop. Boom, call my chief. And then his chief yeah. is like, yo, stay down there and help those guys. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, <laughs> I don't think they want my help. <laughs> so it's interesting. Uh, so the DOP on this is uh, Haskler Wexler, who also did. Bound for Glory, and if you want to check out our, our episode on Bound for Glory, it was our Remembrance Day episode this year. Um, but he, this film is the first major Hollywood film in which um, a black actor was lit properly, right? Because like their skin absorbs light in a, in a different way, or some I don't know how light reflects or is absorbed by black skin, and so he actually you know chose to light Sidney Poitier properly. Instead of just lighting him like a white dude and like washing him out or whatever, you know what I mean? Which I think is super interesting. Like there was a lot of care and attention done in the making of this film. And again, you you have to remember this is 1967. Like the civil rights movement is like the mid you know mid 60s in the U.S. Like segregation, like all of this type of stuff, the voting rights legislation, all of this is fucking happening. And they make this movie where this black dude is just like, don't fuck with me. Like, he was like John Shaft before fucking John Shaft. Do you know what I mean? Are you sure? Well, isn't John <laughs> Shaft wasn't... in the 70s? No, I thought Shaft, the first Shaft was in the 60s as well. I don't know. I don't know for sure, 100%. Anyway, but... he's a badass motherfucker. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> well, that could be where they got, you know, the whole. Yeah, yeah you're right. Shaft was 71. So Shaft was right after this. Um, so yeah, did you, did you like it and would you recommend it? I did like it a lot. Um, I would recommend it. I'm actually, I have it queued up. I didn't get a chance to watch it, but was watching the last, the other two of this trilogy, the, they call me Mr. Tibbs and the organization Okay. and see where it goes. Like from what I saw, the second movie is him trying to protect a prostitute. And then the third one's him going down with, um, um against a criminal organization as well which was his last time playing this character the other thing that's kind of that i thought was like in the age of what we have now of remakes and everything like in reality this has never been remade right like you had the tv show which people do now all the time movies like fargo and stuff making tv shows but no one's ever gone back and remade this film uh, well, it's interesting though. They did remake, um, and I don't, I haven't seen the remake. And I was trying to, so the Defiant ones. Uh, he also got an Oscar nomination for that. It's from 1958, which is like, like a black and a white man escape. I believe from like a chain gang or something like that. But they're like chained together, so they, they like kind of like learn to work together. Uh, and they remade that with uh, 
what's his name from like Commando, the uh, black actor there? Uh, Apollo Creed. Okay, I, yeah. I know who you're talking about. Um, <laughs> oh my god, now I'm gonna have a brain. See, because you put me on the spot, I'm gonna have um, a, a brain fart. Um, action, he was he played Action Jackson. Uh, anyway, while you think of that, <clears throat> so uh, the last Carl picture Weathers, oh, yeah, Carl Weathers, that's right. Um, so the last picture show is uh, Peter Bogdanovich, who is considered one of the main directors that came out of the new Hollywood period. So the new Hollywood period is kind of roughly the 19 mid 1960s, the 1980s. It was as the studio system kind of broke down where studios basically used to own the actors and own the directors. And that's how things happened. And it became much more of a, like a director focused film where the director was given the money and they were, you know, fairly free to do whatever they want. You got stuff like uh, Bonnie and Clyde and Easy Rider. I mean, and then there's a ton of other films that are coming to that. So some of the directors that are part of that are obviously Bogdanovich, uh, Woody Allen, Robert Altman, Mel Brooks, John Carpenter, John Cassavetes, Francis Ford Coppola, Wes Craven, Stanley Kubrick, Martin Scorsese, and both George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. Like George Lucas's uh, American Graffiti is 100% uh you know what i think of when i think of like new hollywood i mean yes star wars falls into that as well but just that kind of like very indie filmmaking style you know what i mean so uh the last picture show won eight oscars sorry it got eight oscar nods uh including best picture and best director and it won best supporting actor and actress uh and that was uh for ben johnson not the canadian runner that got steroid issues uh and chloris leachman um and this was his first major feature film and he fucking goes right like right to the oscars with it like i mean that's super impressive it's shot in black and white uh it's got a running time of so the the edition i watched which is kind of the common edition now is 127 minutes long the original was 119 because i think it's columbia pictures set 119 minute like time frame like they that was the max um and so all they did is basically add, uh, add in like the seven seven minutes or eight minutes or whatever of extra footage so that's what i saw it's paced it's it's paced i mean it's it's from 1971 so it's got that slower pacing uh mm -hmm. but it's interesting because you see the like the insert shots right they do the like really extreme close-ups like if you watch get your bingo cards ready quentin tarantino films and you, oh my you God. there we go. Hey, hey, actually, if there's going to be another, you keep those bingo cards ready. Um, if you're familiar with those really tight insert shots, you see this going back, like I said, to like 1971 with the last picture show. And so like it starts, did you watch it? Did you watch the last picture? Show? Uh, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I watched it uh, again years ago and I, chose then not to watch it again i fair. did not enjoy the movie fair enough, so, fair enough. I, mean, so I did not want to even for this i was just like you know what i'm gonna give chris an a, a very late birthday present i'm just gonna <laughs> let him talk a lot more about the movie so so it opens you know with him trying to like 
got the car started and so you go to the foot and you're going to the car being turned over or the truck right and you're back and forth and you're you're using that editing mm-hmm. to create kind of like some like dynamic movement um so i wouldn't recommend so it's a it's a beautifully shot picture uh there's great character development and dialogue it feels long because of the pacing i mean I wouldn't recommend watching this as like something you're just going to like hang out and and enjoy because it's super entertaining, but it's definitely the type of film that if you're watching stuff like vertigo or, um, which we did a podcast on, which we did a podcast on, um, or sorry, what's the Jesus, what's the super famous Rosebud citizen, a citizen Kane. If if you're watching like those kind of films that are like, wait, wait, do you want to do your citizen Kane quote? What is boring is Citizen Kane? As beautiful and well, as boring as Citizen Kane? That that yeah. is Citizen Kane, yes. It's it's beautiful and boring. <laughs> um you should watch this for like filmmaking techniques. You should watch it as a part of like cinematic history. But if you're just like looking for like a fun Saturday night, this is not gonna do it for you. But it's heavy, man, and it's it's like it's sad. And it really gives you the feeling of like a 1950s <clears throat> Texas town. I mean the quote that I've got around it is that while you're looking for that uh, for the people who haven't watched this movie, what's the, like give a synopsis. What's the plot of this film? So you basically are watching like a teenage, like teenagers coming of age in a like early fifties, like like rural Texas town. Like the town probably has like a couple hundred people in it, or maybe like 500 people or something like that. Uh, sorry, yeah, Roger Ebert of the Chicago Times said, The film is above all an evocation of mood. It is about a town with no reason to exist and people with no reason to live there. The only hope is in transgression. And that's what it is, right? It's all about infidelity and, like, just, like, monkey shines. And, like, like there's no other – there's nothing to do in this town, right? So, again, the, the infidelity and, the, like, the sex – I was shocked at, the like, some of the sex stuff in here. Like – it's racy as fuck, especially for like a seventies, like kind of like arty film. Um, like they shoot this whole naked pool scene and like Sybil Shepherd gets naked and like you, they show everything like top, bottom, everything male and female. I was just like, like, wow. Like, I don't even know if you would be able to pull that off now. You know what I mean? Like you would have to be like Lars von Trier or something like that. Like some European, you know, uh, European director or something to, to pull this type of like art house off. Like it was, it was very shocking and just very like they shoot, they show the boredom of like teenage sex too. Like where the woman's just like laying there like, uh, well, and there's another one. There's another scene where one of the main characters sleeps with this. His... Is that just teenage sex? or just... <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in your household. Um, oh. <laughs> where like a high school student sleeps with his coach's wife. Like he starts like an affair with her. And so they shoot the camera like her POV and then his POV. So like his POV, she's just like laying there. And then his POV is like. <clears throat> and it's just it was just very visceral. So again, like from a filmmaking perspective and as a piece of cinema history, you should definitely watch it. Um, you get to see early roles by like Jeff Bridges, Sybil Shepherd, uh, as as I m- mentioned earlier, Ben Johnson, of course, Leachman uh, got their Oscar nods for this, or sorry, Oscar wins for this. Uh, and you see a really young Randy Quaid, which reminds me, that guy never looked normal. He's always kind of looked fucking weird. Anyway, anything you want to say about that so far? 
no sorry i just had to meet myself i was i was about to sneeze <laughs> but you had me at fucking randy quaid have you seen him recently like uh i mean by recently beard? i mean i remember when he was doing the star whacker thing he thought he was gonna get like bumped off he should be reminded he's not really a star anymore and he was like hiding out in canada here like and then i think we deported him <laughs> yeah and he had like that huge ass beard to like his belly or whatever yeah that was the last time i saw him. yeah that's the last time but he did he did didn't he recently or no it wasn't recent like do a sequel to christmas vacation but no that was a couple of years ago too yeah um but yeah the last picture show has a hundred percent critic rating and it has a 90% audience rating. Um, it did. Oh, this is the one time I'm against the audience too, right? Like, I mean. I guess I, I, I could have watched it super young too. That It's the same thing like The Exorcist. No, man. No, no. Like I watched that way too young that I'll not watch it again. I think, now, I think right? I've actually made this comment before that like some films. So some films, lots of people watch. And you get a fairly accurate perception of like what a general audience would think. But then there's other films like like a Spider-Man movie where like a lot of fans go and watch it. And as long as it makes the fans happy, it's good. And I would say that this is a, in, in a similar vein. The people who are now going to watch this movie are like film people. So to like, it's good from a film perspective. It's good. It's not super entertaining, but they're mm-hmm. not watching it for the same reasons. You know what I mean? So that could be elevating its score as well on the audience side. I mean, I understand why the critics think it's perfect because it is critically acclaimed. <clears throat> but is a, Langford acclaimed. It's very good. That's it. Which that's is all that only, matters, right? Like as long as it's got say, my that's seal the only approval, opinion that matters. Fuck that's the Oscars. Whole point of this podcast. Mac <laughs> Productions. Um, so and you know Peter Bogdanovich also directed Paper Moon, Nickelodeon, Saint Jack, and Mask with like Cher and um, Eric uh, Eric Stoltz. Stoltz. Yeah, uh, which is very Stoltz, yeah. She, she does a she does a great job in that too, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, original Marty McFly. It was, except he couldn't. He was too serious and too method. So they were like, yeah. I mean, well, they actually originally wanted Michael J. Fox, but because of his shooting schedule, family ties, they didn't think they could get him, or he he couldn't do it. And then they fucking made it work. Um, yeah, and unfortunately, both. So uh, Peter died due to do January sixth of this year, and Sydney died January. Oh. That can't be right. Did they both die on the same day? Or do I have I my dates so, wrong? No, I think they were. Like, first one announcement came out, and then, like, two two hours later, it was the other one. I don't know. I don't remember who passed first, but I remember both came, like both news, like, both notifications on my phone came out on the same day. Yeah. Well, and Peter was 82, and he died of complications from Parkinson's, and Sydney was 94, and I think he just went to sleep in his went to passed away in his sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, like I said, it's, it's a, it's an interesting film. Definitely watch it. If you want uh, to study some cinema history, but don't throw it on, on like a Friday and be like, woo popcorn movie. Cause it is not a popcorn fucking movie. So I told you we should have done that. uh, The one I sent you, what was it called to, to love you, sir too. Oh yeah. yeah. Acted by Sidney Poitier and direct. I think it was his last film as well, like uh, Peter's last directed movie. Yeah, so Peter directed it and Sidney stars in it, right? Yeah. Uh, you got anything else? No, no. Um, I highly recommend in watching In the Heat of the Night, though. Anybody who has not seen it in the Heat of the Night, it's that's actually it's very entertaining. 
you can put mm-hmm. that on and, and watch it and it's it's really well done on a lot of levels like 100 percent like whichever way you're coming at this film whether it's cinematography acting writing i think it's one of the stronger films that we've done 100 percent 100% and it's weird because we're both agreeing and that's kind of creepy and weird and I feel like I'm in the Twilight Zone so no, it's because I pick good movies you, 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 you do don't. pick good movies uh, anyways. Oh, there's, that's the end right there fuck you you know what it was kind of fun to take a break from like all the new releases we've been doing and, and you know digging into that stuff and just being like hey like let's let's have a reason to like check out some like classic movies that uh like i know for me like i hadn't seen either one of these films and i was i was like really happy to go and do it like fucking last picture shows 100 percent rotten tomatoes rating i'm like how the fuck have i not seen this film you know what i mean that i'm surprised with even myself like i watched it i don't even remember i know yeah i watched it in grade 10 for communications class <coughs> oh, okay that would make sense that would be a so, place that uh, you would see it yeah so imagine a roman catholic school Right. So you really <laughs> you watched like the forty five minute version of this then? Cut, edit, edit, no, edit, no, edit. no, it was full out, full out. Like we saw it all. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.